With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. E-S-N-Y. Hello, folks. This is the Jets All the Way podcast, hosted by EliteSportsNewYork.com. I'm Jeff Magliacchetti. He's Rob Saba. We're both credentialed Jets writers, and we are coming to you live from the tri-state area, talking New York Jets football. And what a three weeks it's been for the New York Jets. Three weeks, three straight victories. Plenty to be thankful for as we approach this Thanksgiving holiday. Rob, how thankful should Jets fans be for this right now? Um, extremely. Let's, mm. let's just put it that way. Extremely. I mean, what, what do you attribute the turnaround to? Uh, uh, there is a great percentage of Jets fans who still want to murder Gase and right. say Darnold's overcoming his head coach. Mm-hmm. But that's a silly notion and a silly thought process. I head coaches say- and quarter- quarterbacks work in concert all the time. Mm-hmm. So to to think Gase still stinks after reading the column, I forgot who first reported it, right. but Darnold had to go to Gaze, tell him things weren't working, we needed to do this. That's regular stuff, folks. And the I have- real thing you really need to focus on is how much better this offensive line has been and right. how has it happened. That's the question. You know what? And you have to applaud Darnold for taking initiative, going up to Gaze like that. Now, granted, everything isn't perfect with Jetland right now, but three games in a row, it's hard to do that in the NFL under any circumstance, and especially in the NFL. Three games is almost a quarter of your season right there, so it's so hard to win three in a row. But the Jets, three games in a row is a lot of games to win in spite of someone. So if you want, if your opinion on Adam Gates hasn't changed, fine, that's you. That's, what's made, that's what makes America the great nation it's always been. But here's the thing. You can think what you want. That's a lot of games to win in spite of somebody. And if you want to, if you want a gay gone, then you have to give him a little bit of props right now because the Jets are coming out motivated. And you're absolutely right, absolutely right, Rob, about that offensive line. And the more impressive thing is the fact that they've been able to, you know, progress even with so many new names in and out of this roster right now, in and out of this lineup. We saw Kelvin Beecham go down briefly on some on Sunday afternoon against Oakland. We'll get to that game in a minute. But Chuma Adaga, he's going to be out for the foreseeable future. But guys have stepped in and done a decent guys Good job guys like tom compton guys like alex lewis who was of course a late acquisition into this year so you really got to give him credit there and of course 
where we, we, we would be so remiss if we didn't mention the great job that the defense is doing, particularly that of the of uh, New York's new sack master, Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams is the best pass rusher on the team. Right. Right, it, I think it's spent, it's really that simple. Um, I think during that giant game, he spent more time in the backfield than uh, Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones combined. Pound for pound, and we're gonna get into boxing talk here. Pound for pound, he's the best pass rusher on the team. If he had, uh, you know, fifty, sixty more pounds, he'd be Khalil Mack. Exactly, exactly, and he does a great job as is. His coverage also has improved. He's taken back. He's baked, he's taken back an interception for a touchdown this year. Took back a Daniel Jones fumble for a touchdown this year, and what could go down as the Jets' play of the year. And all in all, some good times in Jetland right now. And look, they're two games out of a playoff spot right now. I th- I still think we can say that their playoff odds are minuscule. But here's the thing: there's no better sign that you know Christmas is coming, the holidays are coming than the arrival of those amazing charts that they have every year that the networks break out. You know, the charts that say uh, division leaders, wild card, and in the hunt. The fact that the Jets find themselves in the in the hunt column for the first time in what feels like forever, I think you could look back on that and call, this a, call that a win right then and there. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jets fans, they don't, they're beside themselves, I think, when they see that graphic. They don't know how to react. Yeah, it's like it's like when Ricky Bobby gets interviewed after his first race. He's sitting there and he's like, uh, "I don't know what to do with my hands." So I, I I think that's exactly what Jets are Jets fans are feeling right now, especially in this season that just just so recent, so as recent as the beginning of this month, were lost because that loss against the Miami Dolphins that was what I like to call football Armageddon. And then the, what this three game winning streak has done, in my opinion, anyway, Rob, for lack of a better term. The Jets are allowed to call themselves an NFL football team again because when you lose to the Miami Dolphins, that Dolphins team that was winless and actively trying to lose games. Look, let's let's face it, Rob. There are teams in the deceased Alliance of American Football and soon to come XFL that would probably give the Miami Dolphins a game at this point. And the Jets lost to them. Not only lost them, were outplayed by them in every stretch of the imagination. So the le- next two weeks began to restore welcome normalcy into the Jets locker room in the sense that they were able to take care of business and beat the teams they were supposed to be in the Washington Redskins and the New York Giants. So props to them there. They, it, it says a lot about this season that, you know, beating teams that you're supposed to beat is, uh, is, is a win. Getting back to doing what you're supposed to is enough of a win. It says a lot about this season. But then Sunday was a perfect test. Perfect test. And I think you wrote about it earlier this week. And uh, it, w- it was Star Wars weekend over there. And, you know, I've, I, and you, you mentioned I was a little downplayed. But here's the thing. Who better, what better weekend to fulfill the prophecy of a game that you could accurately label? It's a trap. Shout out to the late Admiral Akbar Because they go in against an Oakland Raiders team that was not only a game out of the division lead against the Kansas City Chiefs. But they go in there. And, but they were tied for the last wild card spot. In fact, held the last wild card spot entering Sunday's action after Indianapolis law during Indianapolis loss on Thursday. So they go in there and absolutely demolish an Oakland Raiders team. Did probably traveling all the way across the country play a factor? Maybe who knows, but again, a 31 point win. That's a lot of points. That's a huge deficit in spite of one small factor like travel. what do you think about Sunday, Rob? Um, you know, I thought uh, Greg Williams 
and his identity on defense continues to flourish. Uh, he's, you know, if you saw the film room last week, he's relying on Jamal Adams, Marcus May, Brian Poole, a lot of disguised zone coverages. They are a zone coverage team who cannot rush the passer up front. So he blitzes the hell out of DBs more than anyone in the league. He disguises his zones. And the interesting thing is, is it works against the lesser QB teams. It works against run first teams, which makes the Baltimore Ravens matchup, not to jump ahead, but mm-hmm. fans will makes that matchup more appealing. What Where this team would get, this defense would get burned, is against the classic pocket passer, like Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, because they don't have guys who could man cover. But against a Lamar Jackson, and speaking of fans who, see, in the NFL, it's funny. Fans never remember. They don't remember. The memories are so short. When they were 1-7, they didn't think any chance in the world they'd be 4-7. When Colin Kaepernick and Robert Griffin III were tearing it up in 2012, they never thought a day in their life that they would be out of the league in a couple of years. Now Lamar Jackson, last night. MVP for sure. If I had to vote for the MVP, I'd vote for Lamar Jackson. It's deja vu all over again in the sense that suddenly we're, suddenly we're being told that the mobile quarterback is going to retake over the game and how it's the future and whatnot. feels like just yesterday to that end, too, that the Chip Kelly offense was defined as revolutionary. Nowadays, he's struggling to gain wins over at UCLA. Well, yeah, and then Greg Roman is the same guy who ran the Kaepernick offense in 2012. Yes. And it fizzled, and he's doing it again with Lamar Jackson. The point is, you have to remain even-keeled. You can't overreact and forget about history. And we we always do that with Lamar Jackson, with the Jets, with everybody. You got to see what happens over a, a real sample size. Right. And people didn't do that with Gase and this team and even this general manager, even though he didn't have a full offseason. You got to let it play out and see what happens. Uh, and on Sunday, it's more evidence of that, you know, going to a bigger sample size. Right. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, we have to remember it's a marathon not a sprint. And the Jets jumped out to that one of one and seven sprints. And again, I still think the playoffs are, are a long shot. And, you know, I think the, the playoffs were a long shot entering this year as is. Of course, you have the New England monopoly at the top of this division. And there were so many other, quote unquote, established contenders in this in this conference that it was going to be hard for the Jets to make it either way. But the fact, again, that the Jets have won three in a row, they're taking care of business again. That is such a huge win right there as is for this team and part of it has come from you mentioned at the top of the show sam darnold and the conversations that he's had with adam gase and he's done a good job so far he's done he's off to what is undoubtedly probably the best three game stretch of his career uh even better than that stretch last year against you know the bills uh texans and packers in december the not not the last game, but the second to last three games of the season. So I'm interested to see how long he could keep this up for. I noticed he was up for the FedEx Offensive Player of the Week right now in the NFL right now. People were asked, being asked to vote on it via the NFL's official Twitter account. And one thing that has particularly impressed me, we talked about briefly the blocking. The run game has, by association, gotten a lot better, too. Le'Veon Bell is slowly but surely starting to resemble the guy the Jets offered that big paycheck to. They finally earned over 100 yards rushing in that big win over Washington in Landover. And now this week, too, they managed to, I think they had about 98 yards on the ground. So came up just short. But 
Bell has impressed me, and also to a lesser extent, Bilal Powell has done a great job too. That game in Washington was by far the best he's been since his comeback, so I think props have to be extended to the Jets' run game. Well, when you watch, it, it's funny, when Powell jumps on the field and takes a handoff, you do a double take, you go, whoa, he looks fast. Right. It, it's not really that he's fast, it's that he hits the hole. Bell doesn't hit the hole. He's he's patient by default. Like He's so patient, it sometimes hurts him. He's got to know when to hit the hole at times. He loves the counters, the misdirections, the draws. And that type of running style, it you need a great O-line, and you need time with the O-line to get that done. So I think that's partly why they're not they haven't found success on the ground and why you you turn your head and say, Whoa, Powell looks fast and Bell just it, plotting along like a turtle. But um I don't know, we'll see. And the other part of it is how many Jets backups are better than their starters? Jermaine Johnson goes down, Daryl Roberts goes down, Bless Austin and Arthur Mallett are better than those guys in their sleep. Tom Compton goes in for winters. Harrison in for Khalil. The offensive line's all, all of a sudden good. This is, you know, credit Joe Douglas with the depth here because backups have really outproduced starters. I think we can really appreciate the story of Bless Austin to the highest degree because Bless Austin was a cornerback at Rutgers. And, you know, he had some injury problems in his early going. And, you know, he, in his sophomore season, was second in the Big Ten in pass defenses, and from there on out struggled with injuries. I think he played five games in his junior year and then played only a single game in the ensuing year in his senior season. Only a single game, but yet the Jets took him with the six-round pick. And he has done a great job so far stepping in. He's been one of the better stories on this Jets team this season, and he deserves so much credit for stepping in. Arthur Mallet, he's done a fantastic job as well, primarily used as a special teams player over in Atlanta, but he has done a great job over there. So big props to those guys, and they have been a huge part of the Jets' resurrection. And you want to talk about rookies. It was New Orleans, sorry, not Atlanta for Mallet. But anyway, uh, I want to talk about Another rookie that has really made an impact to me personally, it's been Trayvon Wesco, who has done a decent job right now with the blocking, and you saw him get the giant game, he had a big reception on third down, and he's done a great job too in the backfield, occasionally lining up as a fullback. I think the art of the fullback is just so lost in today's NFL. The days of Mike Allstott aren't exactly coming back anytime soon, but it just goes to show, it just... It would be it's a really secret weapon in a way, and a good ju- and teams that utilize the fullback tend to do pretty well. I mean, look what the Vikings have been able to do with CJ Ham, the Chiefs, with Anthony Sherman. They've done they've done some good job on they've done some wonders on offense over there. And, and the 49ers. Oh yeah, the 49ers too. Yeah. Kyle Juschett. Uh, how, how, how do you say his name? It's, I it's, think it's Usechek. Usechek. Kyle Usechek. He's a he's done a great job. And, you know, I'm eager to see – and the Jets, again, I think we talked about in a prior episode how the Jets could, you know, learn from the 49ers and take their model and really play it to a T and do a great job with it. I mean, we talked about also how, you know, Adam Gates' situation was not the same as Kyle Shanahan's, but now now you can slowly start to follow that San Francisco model with a couple wins under your belt. So bless Austin and Trayvon Wesco. They've done a decent job so far. Two final gifts, if you will, from Mike McCagnan's final draft. Yeah, uh, more like stocking stuffers, but yeah. 
fair enough. Hey, you can get some good stuff in the stocking, stocking stuffer sometimes. Yeah, true, but you know, it's uh... like a, like a, like one of those like one of those Santa Clauses made out of uh, Twix. They're fair. Yeah, yeah, but what's the percentage? The percentage of good stuff to bad stuff in the stocking stuffer kind of mirrors McCagnan. Okay, I think it, I I think in the stocking stuffer like. There are 40% of things that you truly remember in there, at least, I think. Yeah, I think socks, like old man socks in the stocking stuffer. When I think of McCat, you know, the, the ones with the yellow <laughs> yellow lines around them? Yes, yes. That's what I think. It's got like the red thing on the heel too, right? That That's what I'm thinking with st- when you said stocking stuffer and McCagnon. But, you know, the, listen, the only goal right now, and the Jets won't admit it, they, they're, they preach week to week which is the right mindset. They don't get ahead of themselves. Gase, there's been no infighting. I mean, where's all this, all this infighting that we've heard about from Miami? They're saying the right things, but the goal right now is 6-7 and seven when they get to Baltimore. That's the goal. And if they accomplish that goal, I think they did their job this season. But I'll tell you, Cincy's not going to be easy. No. Cincy, I don't care that they're winless. They've been in literally every, not every game, most games, except for the Niners game, except for the Ravens game, lost to Seattle by one, lost to Buffalo by four, lost to Arizona by three, lost to the Ravens by six in the other Ravens game, mm-hmm. lost to the Raiders by seven. I mean, lost to the Steelers by six. They, they're in every game. So this Sunday is not going to be easy. And, Rob, we've seen so many Jet games over years. Doesn't this seem like this is the get, This is the type of game the Jets would unfortunately lose. Doesn't it feel like that? Yeah, especially because Andy Dalton is reinserted into the lineup. And let's face it, this is this is going to be a bit of a... Uh, it's kind of a Cincinnati farewell tour for Andy Dalton in a way. First of all, I do want to give the Bengals some props because they did what they could with Ryan Finley in there. And it kind of reminds me... Their Ryan Finley experiment kind of reminds me in the sense a little bit that... Uh, of why of how of why a Davis Webb cult arose with the New York Giants because once you had a quarterback that was drafted so high, remember they had quarterbacks in the past, young quarterbacks in the past during the Dalton era, and you know AJ McCarron and Jeff Driscoll, but Finley was the first guy you looked at and go like, oh, this guy has the potential to be the heir apparent to the long court to the long time quarterback. So I give them credit for taking the taking the risk, and that may not even much of a risk. Taking I give them credit for going out there and. Doing and letting seeing what they had, and now they know they need a franchise quarterback. As for Dalton's situation next year, the the Bengals stand to save seventeen point save million dollars in cap space should they release Dalton prior to June first. So, for all intents and purposes, this is probably Andy Dalton's farewell tour in Cincinnati. And not only is it a bit of farewell tour for him, and if any Bengals quarterback in recent memory hasn't has earned a farewell tour it's probably dalton who look he yes he never really he never performed in the playoffs but at the same time he brought the Bengals to some unprecedented heights in franchise history in terms of playoff streaks and whatnot so this is going to be a retirement tour for him not retirement tour excuse me farewell tour for him and he also is going out there and proving to teams that he still has it in a way that if you're gonna if you're a team out there that's quote-unquote one quarterback away, teams like the Tennessee Titans, teams like the Chicago Bears, you're going to look at Andy Dalton's remaining Cincinnati days very, very, very intently to see if you could take a waiver on this guy. So the Bengals, they're going to be very motivated 
And I really, and it's exactly what you said, Rob. They're going to, they've played teams very well. It's not like they've rolled over and they want to avoid going down in infamy. I'm sure they don't want to go down in the same sentence as the, as this, as the Buccaneers, the Browns and the lions of those years, they're going to want, they're going to be playing all out, especially in front, in front of whatever home crowd shows up over at Paul Brown stadium on Sunday. Yeah. And, and getting back to the backup quarterback thing. Al Bundy could be the backup quarterback. The backup quarterback is always the most popular guy, yes. you know, like Davis Webb, if the team is struggling. Yes. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be – it's not going to be easy. Uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, Mixon, Joe Mixon, if you have him in fantasy, don't even think about starting him. No, no. If the Jets do one thing, they stop the run. Um, got to worry about the receivers a little bit. Boyd, um, you got to worry about those guys a little bit. Um, but other than that, we'll see. Well, something that's also going to be interesting. I'm going to. I expect a bit of a low scoring, low scoring game on Sunday in Cincinnati because you want to take a look at the weather at Cincinnati on Sunday. There's a 50% chance of precipitation, 80% chance on the day prior. Uncharacteristically warm in, uh, relatively warm in Cincinnati. Tomorrow it's going to be 59 degrees out there, high of 51 on Sunday. So I really think this is going to be a low scoring game, and the Jets. Again, it's it's a victory enough they're even in this position in the first place in the sense that they can walk into a trap game right now. And I think that's such it's such a 360 for or a 180 from where or whatever it is. Yeah, it's a 180, I think, right? Well, yeah, 180. Yeah. It's it's a 180 from where they were as recently as the beginning of this month. They go three and one in November, and now they enter December with a trap game scenario on their hands. I just think that's enough of a victory as is. But I do expect a bit of a sloppy game on Sunday afternoon in the sense that it's going to be it's going to be uh, rainy. Winds are expected to go 13 miles an hour from the southwest. So I'm really interested to see a sloppy game like this. Hey, defensive struggles can be fun, as the Jets have proven with this defense. So I'm interested to see what sort of welcome back present the Jets have in store for Mr. Dalton back there. Yeah, and Jamal Adams, another thing to keep a, keep an eye on is the sack record. What is he, a sack and a half behind now? Two and a half. Adrian Wilson, two and a half? Yeah, I think so. Okay, well, yeah, he's he's, he's not guaranteed he's going to get it. But no. the way Greg Williams has been blitzing him, he should. Um, and I think everyone saw it by now, but his comments after the game, the defense took a disrespect-type attitude into Oakland. The stands, it wasn't 50-50, like people say, but 35, 40% Raider fans, maybe, at MetLife. No, you're and, right. I saw the parking lots. They were just full of uh, silver and black, even the stands, when Oakland got their first field goal, got some cheers in there. And you, by the way, you were right. It, he is a sack and a half away, so good call. Sack and a half, okay. And, uh, you know, Jamal Adams said he, he felt disrespected hearing the booze walking onto that turf at MetLife Stadium where, okay. uh, what's his name, is buried underneath. He felt disrespected and took his boys in the locker room and uh, wasn't shy about letting his teammates know how he felt. And you know what? That's just another example of why Jamal Adams is just the perfect new face of New York football. Because, first of all, you need someone who hates losing. And Jamal Adams has made his opinions on that very, very, very clear 
on sun on how much he hates losing. It was becoming more of a Sunday night tradition than a Jersey Sunday night tradition than The Sopranos on HBO. That to see Adams lamenting yet another loss. So it's good to see that has taken a reprieve for the past three weeks. So you need yeah. someone who hates losing as much as Adams does. And before that, before Adams, I think the face of New York football was undoubtedly Odell Beckham Jr. Now that he's gone, you, it's Adams, and I think he's a perfect guy. I said this back during the back in January when he took home Pro Bowl MVP honors alongside Patrick Mahomes. In the sense that, yeah, obviously the look the Pro Bowl is a meaningless game. I'm not trying to inflate its importance or anything or lack thereof. I just think that he represented himself and the team in a fun yet very uh, appropriate manner in a way. Because yeah, yeah, you had that quote unquote controversy where he tackled the Patriots mascot, but you know what? That seemed to be all in good fun and something that Jets fans could get behind in a way. He could be fun without crossing the line egregiously. And, you know, he could tow it, but he doesn't cross it. And that's the type of guy you want representing this team. You're not it's representing this city, this area in general. And I think his comments and the way he gets in the backfield, you know, you need something a little more at a little out of the ordinary, much like Beckham was during his tenure with the Giants. So I think Adams is just the perfect face of NYC football, NJ football, tri-state area football, whatever you want to call it. It's being best represented by Jamal Adams. He's everything you want on the field. He's most of what you want off the field, except for the drama stuff, the 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 percentage of obj he carries with him did you see the twitter stuff with darren carr he got with uh Derek carr's brother right what is he doing i look that's unnecessary it's fully unnecessary i but here's the thing if the biggest controversy in your locker room is that your star defender you're arguably the best player on the team is bad is getting into a social media war that was relatively harmless with an opposing quarterback's brother. There's so many teams in this NFL that would kill for that. Many teams in the NFL would give their left arm to have that big, to have that be their biggest controversy. And of course, the Jets have dealt with so much, so much ridiculousness this season. That's almost a welcome sign that that's their biggest problem moving into going into a game week. Yeah, no, I agree with you, but it 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 gives me a it paints a picture. I get that it. I, that I don't like. You know, with the whole trade stuff, and the picture is he can't let anything go. He can't be above certain stuff, and that's that's the stuff off the field that can get him in trouble. Who cares? Jamal didn't start this thing. Darren Carr did with the response, no. but no, the Leonard Fournette stuff from the week before, or the week before, two weeks before, it's just so silly. Social media. There's no reason to get after someone if it's not face to face in a real world consequence. It's just. It's just utter garbage, I, and I don't understand. Every now and then is okay, but he's attached to it. It's it's his life. I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. It's not a huge deal, but I, I just don't understand. I get what you're saying 100%. Like, is it the best look? No. By, by no stretch of the imagination is it the best look. And I've always said that in our profession, Rob, that social media is both the best and worst thing to happen to our jobs in the sense that it's made breaking news so easier. It's made us so. It's made things so much easier for us to connect with for both us and the players on the field to connect with our respective fan bases and go out there and um, share the news. But at the same time, it's been just the worst thing to happen because nothing is private anymore. And sometimes it, it's really knocked down the walls 
between player and fan. And on some occasions, that could be great. We've seen so many great stories shared through social media. In fact, look 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 at Brian Poole, as a matter of fact. He got his football back from his pick six on Sunday. when it, when The ball went in the stands, got taken by a fan, and Poole offered a uh, signed a, a jersey for it. And um, he got he confirmed he got the ball back. So social media has done some great things. But as thing as uh, this is probably the biggest example at all, considering the anniversary of it that just happened. When considering things like the malice at the palace, it's not always a good thing when the walls and barriers between player and fan are lifted. And social media provides the thinnest layer of film between player. And Finn. and sometimes that's not always for the best, as we see with Adams and Derek Carr's brother. But here's the thing. Again, it's not the best look by any stretch of the imagination. But if you could go back to those weeks ago when Jamal Adams was very disgruntled that he was part of a trade, and you would tell him, hey, relax. A month from now, the biggest controversy, if you told him and the team, look, re- the, big, the biggest controversy a month from now is you're going to be getting into a... And you're going to begin to a Twitter war, the, the 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 most petty, the most silly of wars with the Oakland Raiders quarterback's brother. The Jets would thank that messenger, and they would take that scenario ten times and eleven times on Sunday. Yeah, it just it raises questions. Yeah. Like you I, know, I get it 100. percent I'm very much a traditionalist from from your point of view in the sense that you know it's like, come on, guy, really in a way. But at the same time. He's a grown man. He's a grown man. He has the freedom to do that, and hey, he seems to know what he's doing, right? Yeah, he got he got roasted by Leonard Fournette and his boys, though. Yes. Leonard Fournette called him out for hiding during a fight. Yes, and I... Jamal was rather quiet after that. After they found the dude who hosted the the party, mm-hmm. so I don't know. It's just it's so silly. I... No, it's silly. The guy's the best safety in the league. He carries everything. He carries all his weight with his play. When Darren Carr re- replies, you just ignore it. It ain't. It's not worth your time. I get it. I get it. Hundred percent. Put the phone down. Put put the TV on. Do do something. You don't have to be on social media twenty four seven. I get that hundred percent. In the grand scheme. Now, a, oh, go ahead. It is a brilliant marketing scheme. Any publicity is good publicity. So, from that standpoint, he's doing a hell of a job getting his name out there. Of course. But uh, you know. It's just God. Though there will be situations that get him in trouble, no doubt down the road. Hmm. If it keeps up to these like "quote unquote" petty fights like this, it won't get out of control. But again, sometimes it's not a good thing when the when the barriers between players and fans are lifted. We've seen so many players get in trouble for uh, you know going after fans and whatnot. In fact, look! Look what we we saw earlier this year with that Cleveland Browns player. Right, it was after the Denver game. He basically threatened fans with death and found himself released less than twenty four hours after hitting send tweets. So, I don't. I obviously don't see Jamal doing that. He seems like the last guy in the world that would do something. Now, like Jamal that. did enjoy himself reportedly Saturday night, uh, celebrating an early Daryl Roberts' birthday today. Did you hear about this night out in the town Saturday night? I had heard rumors, yes. Yeah, so page six, New York Post reported Sam Darnold spotted getting wasted in quotes and hooking up with a girl. Yeah. 
Don't Jet fans glorify Joe Namath for doing the exact same things? Oh, Jets fans are giddy. They could put Joe Namath and Darnold in the same sentence now, but page six, New York Post, makes that story. It's it's as great, it's as big a non-story as the headline, Lamar Jackson is fast. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the most... If my, no. if my 22-year-old quarterback isn't going out after a <laughs> dominant win and hanging out with a few ladies on his lap, that's when I'm going to be a little worried. That's the time I'm worried, when he's in his apartment 24-7 playing uh, Call of Duty. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, hey, what did you, what did you, want, what did you want Sam to do? Sit, sit home, catch up on Stranger Things? No, he's going to be fine. He's, he's going out. He's being a 22-year-old. And he's probably making up for lost time, too, considering he had to basically spend the entire month of September cooped up in his apartment with the mononucleosis so you know the, this is a non-story this is a th this is simply again this shows the ugly side of social media in the sense that we have a 24-hour news cycle now and any headline will do no headline is petty enough and you know this attracts eyeballs it's clickbait it's like sam darnell was caught drinking people will click on that just for the mere possibility of photographs, of videos, of even me, even mere eyewitness accounts of it. So that is just a byproduct of our 24-hour news cycle and nothing to be, you know, so broken up about. Yeah, you know, it's ridiculous. You know, there are stories of Namath being completely hungover for the 68 AFL championship game. Right, right. Uh, you know, if Darnold could only be so lucky. <laughs> well, here, here, here's the thing. I think if if social media had existed back in Namath's era, there would he would not be as fondly remembered as as he is today, as he is as he was because there was no social media. If social media existed back then, he would not be as fondly remembered. Granted, it would be a, it, it wouldn't be too much of a drop off, but you know there is a bit of a for lack of a better term, a bit of a Puritan uh, section of social media that you know even the slightest hint of debauchery, they'll turn on a guy. Mm -hmm. So this is true. No, so I just, I don't I don't think it's really much to worry about. You know, again, it's it's only when it's really when you start you know cursing up a storm and threatening people and whatnot. But again, it all comes down to the magic antidote of winning, and I give them I give the Jets so much credit in the sense that not one of them has even entertained the mere thought of tanking, the already ludicrous thought of tank, of, of um, tanking. So I think I give them credit. They're going out there for wins. They don't give a single hoot about their draft position. Keep it up, and let's see what they what they can accomplish the rest of the season. Yep, I agree. Six and seven by Baltimore. And if they do that, they have accomplished the goal. That is my mindset. Yes. 100% they would they would surpass their win total respectively uh 5 and 4 from the past two seasons so progress would be made I think it's pro again as I said as I said at the top of the show it's progress now that they're in the mere in the hunt column so good on them let's see what they could do for the rest of the year that's going to do it for us here on the Jets All Way podcast for more on the Jets you can follow us on Twitter over and keep following our coverage over at elitesportsny.com He's at, at Robbie Sabo. I'm at Jeff Mags 5490 G-E-R-F-F-M-H-E-S 5490. So for Rob, I'm Jeff. Thanks for tuning in, folks.